Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, one and all. This is Robert Rogers. I am the founder of Parkinson's Recovery, which has now been in existence for 10 wonderful, and I might say marvelous, years. The mission of Parkinson's Recovery is to provide support and resources to individuals who currently experience the symptoms of Parkinson's disease as well as their family members. We have, we have a ton of free resources that are available on many, many different websites that are scattered all over the place. We are also offering for uh, the next couple of weeks and November 1st through 3rd a live Jump Start to Recovery course at the Alderbrook Resort in Washington State. People have signed up and registered to attend the program from across the United States. Most people actually are coming from the East Coast. Wanted everybody to know about this since this is the first time we've actually offered a live Jump Start to Recovery program in five years. We also have an online course for those of you that live in Japan or China or Great Britain or France or you name it. And on that particular course, I have 24 hours of lectures where we talk about the foundations of what it takes to basically reverse the symptoms of Parkinson's disease through healing from the inside out rather than from the outside in. My guest today is a person who knows all about what it really takes to heal from the inside out. Lisa Strubing is the founder of a company that has a wonderful name, Mud Puddle Fitness. She's an industry leader in older adult fitness. Coach Lisa is a certified personal fitness trainer who specifically works with persons who currently experience the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. So not just a fitness trainer who basically sees lots of different individuals, but rather somebody who has a personal acquaintance and knowledge of working with individuals who currently experience these symptoms associated with a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. It is an honor for me to host Lisa today on the show. Lisa, thank you so much for being a guest on the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Show today. And all I have to do is make sure that Lisa gets plugged in. Lisa, are you there? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I am. Thank you, Robert. It's an honor to be here. Well, Lisa, tell us all about yourself. Well, I am a Northwesterner. I live here in Seattle, and I love to ski and to bike and to bake. And um, It's a wonderful place, uh, short, just close to mountains and ocean, just a terrific place, and I love to enjoy it. Mud Puddle Fitness is named after the E.E. Cummings poem, Life is Mud Luscious and Puddle Wonderful, he said. And if you come to the Northwest, you'll notice it does rain a bit. And kids actually go out and play in the rain, and I was inspired by that. What a marvelous name. I've also known, given that I've also lived in Washington State for uh, now over a decade, that when it rains outside, most people actually don't have umbrellas. 
They simply oh, no. walk in the rain, which is a very, <laughs> very, it's a different experience because, you know, I've lived uh, all over the United States, and we always were careful to make sure we had our raincoats and our umbrellas. But here in Washington, for those of you who don't know, it's just kind of a normal thing. And so unless it's pouring uh, cats and dogs, people just get up and they go without any raincoat or umbrella whatsoever. <laughs> no bumper shoot. <laughs> no, that's right. So, Lisa, you are a medical exercise specialist and a personal trainer. Tell us a little bit about exactly what you do. Well, thanks. Um, medical exercise is post-rehab. It's functional fitness. That's the activities of daily living. And it's corrective exercise. That's when muscles become imbalanced. So uh, if, uh, for example, if your gait has been off for quite a bit, you might discover that some muscles are stronger than other muscles, and strengthening the imbalance can help with strengthening the gait. Personal training, I, I find with uh, Parkinson's especially, that sport-specific training is really important. And that sport may be getting out of a chair, or it may be uh, doing other other activities that have become difficult, and using personal training techniques for sports training uh, helps people get done what they want to get done, recover the activity that they enjoy doing. Lisa, how did you get interested in Parkinson's and fitness? My mom has Parkinson's, and when she finally confessed the horrible words, I wondered what there was that you could could be done about it, and it turns out that exercise is truly, truly effective. She recently downgraded in assisted living, I'm proud to say. So she went from a higher level of care to a lower level of care. Oh, how wonderful. What's a marvelous report. So she's on the road to recovery. I think so. Now, who were your greatest influences in this fascinating journey that you've had? There are many, many people out there who are experts, and many of whom you've already heard of. There's David Zid, there's Sally Michaels and um, Becky Farley. There is um, David Leventhal, who teaches dance for Parkinson's. There's um, the John Argue, who is one of the original pioneers out there, who is down in California, and Kevin Lockett, who is out in Hawaii, Renee Leverrier who is um, in the Boston area and teaches yogurt yogurt, yogurt, (laughs) for Parkinson's disease. Um, But I don't want to discount folks folks like um, Dr. Lee, Dr. Fujang Lee, who did the original work on Tai Chi for PD, or um, Madeline Hackney, who um, who worked on tango for PD. But when I really felt like I came home was when I first met uh, Julie Carter, Faye Hovrak, and Lisa Mann at the Oregon Health and Science University. These women have been working together for a very long time, I think 25 years or something, and they have a super handle on what's happening with Parkinson's. How marvelous. Why is it important to focus on exercise once you have a diagnosis of Parkinson's? Well, 
exercise is a couple of different things. So the first thing it can do for you is um, it, you can learn to increase your dopamine production naturally. And the carbidopa levodopa is a miracle medicine, but you can do things for yourself to increase that dopamine naturally. You can improve your brain health. That is, increase the capillary density and the blood supply into your brain, uh, uh, in, increase certain parts of your brain, the size and density of certain parts of your brain. You can use exercise to improve gait and balance. And um, if you are strong and you are familiar with how your body is working, even if it's working in a new and different way, you can reduce falls. What I find is the most amazing thing, though, is reanimating or re-educating muscles that are be not behaving properly, the muscles that are misbehaving, the muscles that feel rigid or stiff can be... Sometimes you can communicate with those muscles and have those muscles move in a more efficient manner and a stronger manner. And those are the muscles that do things like reduce your arm swing, which can be problematic. And you can talk to those muscles, get that arm swing going, and then, of course, you're safer and it just feels better. Many people, who, especially those who live in urban areas, have a variety of programs that they can choose from. Now, how would you suggest that a person go about picking one of these programs? There are so many possibilities. Oh, there are. It's getting to be a really uh, it's a wonderful a variety of things that you can choose from, and it depends on what you want to accomplish. So if you want to increase that dopamine naturally, you might pick a pedaling for PD program or you might pick some kind of circuit training class that incorporates um, techniques to increase that dopamine naturally. If, on the other hand, you're concerned about your balance, you might pick boxing or tango. But if it's overall movement in general, feel like you're moving through mashed potatoes all the time, no matter which way you move, then you might choose a yoga or a tai chi class. So it rather depends on what kinds of challenges a person has in terms of what they choose to pursue. Right. What What is it you want to accomplish and then select from the menu in order to pick Pick one that's going to address whether you're feeling stiff all over or whether you just really want to boost that natural dopamine production or whether you're just con or whether you're concerned about fall. Fascinating. For those of you that may not have heard about these programs, the names that Lisa just gave are the actual titles of these programs, so you can do searches to see what might be available in your local community. One is called Pedaling for PD or Parkinson's Disease. One is called Dance for PD or Parkinson's Disease. And then, of course, there's Tango for Parkinson's, Boxing for Parkinson's. There's, there are yoga classes, and many of them are specifically for persons diagnosed with Parkinson's symptoms. And then there are Tai Chi classes, oftentimes address a wide variety of individuals, but sometimes those classes can be very specific to persons who are diagnosed with Parkinson's. 
Well, what about barriers to exercise? Well, the, the first barrier to exercise might very well be that you've never been a person who exercise was a go-to in the beginning. I, I certainly have taken a long hiatus from exercise, and I think everybody does at some point in their lives. You might be a woman who was born pre-Title IX and just didn't ever have the opportunity to begin exercise. So this is an opportunity for that adventure to begin. Uh, other things you might encounter is you might be living in a rural area. How do you adapt? Um, any exercise class may be at that YMCA 30 miles away for um, Parkinson's. Difficulties with transportation are cited by a lot of folks. If it takes a, a cabulance or something to get to an exercise class, that might be something that might get in your way. One thing that bugs people during exercise classes may be difficulty with thermoregulation, getting hot, getting hot flashes or getting cold, or blood pressure that rises and falls you know, kind of on its own unexpectedly. Uh, one thing that I've noticed, and you really mustn't be worried about, is folks might stay away from a group exercise class on, on account of embarrassment. And this is not unique to someone with Parkinson's. A lot of people, uh, there was a recent study, oh, it's a couple of years old now, out of London, where 72% um, of the people who didn't go to a gym and participate in a group class they didn't do it because they were embarrassed to do it. So um, I would encourage having a really good look at that and realize that many more people in that room are embarrassed to be there than are not embarrassed to be there before they get comfortable with it. Everybody knows that medicines and some supplements will enhance the level of dopamine in their body, but you've also mentioned that exercise makes a difference. So how can a person raise their dopamine levels naturally at home? Oh, you bet. Uh, there's a couple of ways that you can do it. One, one trick is to figure out when your on time is and you want to exercise during your on time. You want to exercise to a level where you're, bra you're, becoming, you're breaking a glow. You're sweating a little bit. You don't want to get completely out of breath. And uh, if this is difficult for you to do on your own, you can always purchase like an electric bike. There are uh, there's some economical models and some very fancy models. So shop around, and then that bike will help pedal for you or you can do circuit-type exercises. That is, do a lifting exercise to the upper body and a, a squat or a lunge-type exercise to the lower body, upper body, lower body, alternating exercises so that you can get that uh, more work done quickly and you can raise the dopamine level that way. Does that make sense? It does indeed. And one thing you want to keep in mind is that if you're just starting out, if you can get 10 minutes done, we call that a bout of exercise. One 10-minute bout, add a couple of 10-minute bouts a day. Once you're able to work at that harder level where you are breaking a sweat for 20 minutes, that's sort of the magic window. That's where 
the good things start to happen in our brains. Your goal is really 30 minutes. A lot of the Pedaling for PD programs are longer than that, and I think that there is some evidence that that 45 minutes is a, a great length of time. But at that 20 minutes, that's your first strong goal. That's when the magic starts to happen. Wow. What are the safety considerations? Well, this is where you want to bring in a professional, especially if you're working at home. You want to use a balanced protocol. Uh, you, you know, you don't want to only strengthen your biceps and forget about the triceps and the back of the arm. You don't want to, you, you don't want to unbalance your whole body by getting falling in love with one routine and sticking with it forever. So you want to change that protocol every few weeks. And something that I find uh, um, with folks with PD is, once they get find out how amazing an exercise program is, sometimes you do see overtraining or training at a time when the muscle is stiff. Um, in, um, in people with PD, it's very, very common to get tight, tight hip flexor muscles. So if you love your pedaling for PD program, but you feel like you're getting hurt, it could be overtraining. Or it could be that those hip flexors are misbehaving on account of the Parkinson's. So you'll want to work with somebody who can talk to those hip flexors and get them to release a little bit, re retrain those muscles to relax before you cause some damage. I know listeners would love to hear some tips about retraining their gait. Oh, I'm going to take a lot of these from... From David Zid, so let's let us <laughs> let us credit him. But um, one of the first things, uh, which is uh, what I've learned, is pain. Uh, sometimes the Parkinson's is so important that we forget when we hurt. Pain changes how we move. Pain changes when if you've gone through, say, uh, a broken ankle, some point in your life then the way you got through that pain was you created an internal map of your external body that didn't include that ankle in a way. That's so you could ignore the pain. When you come, when the ankle is healed, when you're done training that ankle, then that, uh, you have to retrain that map of your body and know where the whole body is. If you have, um, for example, arthritis in your hips and um and Parkinson's, then what's making it difficult to move? Is it the pain or is it those tight hip flexors? So that's the first thing you want to be mindful of is whether you have pain and address that pain. Doing things to make stride lengths more even, the tape marks on the floor. I love blue painter's tape, marking out a course on the floor. Being mindful of striking, as in Tai Chi for Parkinson's, uh, Fu Zhang Li, Dr. Fu Zhang Li, placing that heel down first, testing that toe before moving on to the, the next step, becoming very zen as you take one step, heel down, test the toe, stride with the other leg, heel down, test the toe, one at a time. Uh, let's see. Transitions. Transitions are tough, and sometimes I find someone who is new to Parkinson's doesn't realize 
that a transition like going through a doorway or um, going from a carpet to a floor or grass to gravel, that these things may cause a hesitation step. That hesitation step can cause freezing or it can cause just a change in how your body is moving. The brain is processing how to make that transition from place to place. Knowing when what kinds of transitions trigger a change in how you move and thinking ahead that I, I see that I'm coming to a doorway and having a strategy to step through that doorway, whether it's a laser light on the ground or walking through the, or a, a I know a person that tosses a quarter, so they have to pick it up on the other side. <laughs> Knowing where your transitions are, uh, that's and um, arm. Uh, am I going too fast here? Oh, I don't think so. No, no. Okay. Uh, another thing for retraining gait is adding in that arm swing, and the uh, one of the most marvelous inventions is David Zid's zitty sticks and you can find those online and he's very generous with how they're made they're basically long poles with a little buckshot or bb in them and they make a sound and you need a partner and the sticks are driven by someone walking behind you you walk your feet and the person your partner and you share the pole and swing the pole together and they drive your arms. This helps retrain the arms to swing as you move, which helps make a gait more lyrical, if you will. Finally, uh, and this is really the crux of the most interesting part of what I do, is if moving forward with your normal walk has become a shuffle, that's okay because there's a lot of things that you've done in the past that work just fine. You may have been a dancer. You may have trained in football and used agility ladders to train. You may be a cross-country skier. If you can use your memory to access a different motion that's just similar, for example, a cross-country skier as you sloosh forward with one foot and sloosh forward with the other, if you imagine that instead of walking, you may discover that you have a much smoother pattern of movement. Those are all golden suggestions, I might say. Oh, thank you. Why does cueing work? Can you really use your mind and your memories to overcome the symptoms associated with the diagnosis of Parkinson's? Oh, my gosh, absolutely. The life that you've lived is so rich. So if I know this is radio, but if, if listeners will think about putting one hand out in front of them and imagine, using their imagination to turn a doorknob. Now, that same motion, as you turn that doorknob, that same motion, now turn it into flipping a pancake with a spatula. Now turn that same motion into turning the page of a book or turning the key in an ignition, or pulling a weed, gently pulling a weed. All of those memories, all of that motion, the body is doing technically the same thing, but the memory of it is stored side by side by side by side. 
So if in the neurologist's office you're asked to swirl your wrist and that's not working, you might find that you can flip a pancake over and over and over again, or you might be able to turn the ignition in the car and use that memory. And if that memory becomes your default, you have that motion. And should that one get broken, there's all of those other things that might be able to substitute in, and that's how we use cueing and memory. I know listeners are fascinated by these suggestions, so how else can you make use of memories and even life experiences to overcome the symptoms of Parkinson's? Oh, wonderful things, wonderful things. Uh, for uh, One of my favorite days, I was working in a small group, um, small group, and we were doing some juggling with some scarves. And um, Esther was kind of nervous about this. She didn't have any self-confidence that she could juggle a scarf. So instead of tossing the scarf to her partner, she handed it. And then she, instead of catching the scarf, she reached out and asked her partner to hand her the scarf. Well, I looked over a minute and a half later, and all of a sudden she was juggling three scarves. <laughs> she, she, she had advanced beyond where the lesson was, and I said, Esther, Esther, what have you, what, what's happened here? And she said, I remembered I already knew how to do this. And she was reaching back 70 years before to, um, to high school, to being the drum majorette for her high school in a rural town in Washington, and um, sure enough, she had that, and then she went home, and she went to see if her baton worked, and uh, she brought the baton in to show us some baton tricks the next day at time we met. She already had that in memory. Uh, another one of my favorite person, favorite people was, was Roland, and uh, he, he's a fellow, we mentioned the combination of arthritis and the type hip flexors, and it is it chicken or is it egg? How are we going to get you moving, and the day we started him cross-country skiing around his house, he was pain-free and just gliding. It was absolutely amazing. It was that memory. Sometimes you find that memory through music, it, the music that you love. Every brain loves a mu loves certain music. There's a beat that gets you moving, and if you have that music, if you know what that music is, music can be a real assist on helping you find a movement that's like the one that's not working so well but works better. I've even seen instances where scent, the smell of uh, lavender, the smell of cinnamon, the smell of something takes a person back. We're um, entering the holiday season here and that smell of apple pie or that smell of pumpkin pie or that smell of uh, green beans and bacon or whatever it is that you love, uh, holiday season pine trees, um, that can take you back into a place where that can cue memory and be used to help you find movement that isn't the movement that's hurt. Lisa, I have one story I can also add to your fascinating list when I did a 
summit in 2012 in Cincinnati for Parkinson's recovery. I also went down to Tennessee to visit uh, Aunt Bean's fava bean farm. And <laughs> in, in that particular visit, uh, she had a friend, a close friend, who was in a wheelchair and who had been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. So we were in this uh, large hall. A number of individuals were there to learn all about Aunt Bean's incredible discoveries in terms of natural foods that help reverse the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. And it was clear her friend was um, was struggling with uh, a number of different mobility issues and, and, again, was in a wheelchair. And then Ann Bean looked at me and said, well, Robert, would you like to see her line dance? And I said, well, yeah, that sounds fascinating. So she put her hand down, and they both stood up. They turned on some music, and you should have seen this woman line dance. <laughs> I mean, better than anybody <laughs> I've ever seen line dance. It was the just absolutely spectacular. <laughs> it was just absolutely amazing. And then when the music was off and when she stopped line dancing, you know, she sat back into her chair. So it was a, it was a stunning demonstration of exactly what you're talking about. Yes, uh, repeated every day. All over the place. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Now, falls prevention is obviously a pretty big deal for many people. Uh, Can you discuss some of what those issues are and what you would like to say about it? Well, the, the first thing I must warn is I have not found anything that prevents postural instability. So if you... Um, if you are having postural instability, please um, keep your walker with you. Uh, it's okay. You can name it something you want to name it, but it's an important tool. Becoming cognizant of when you're on and off is a big, a big key. If you are dipping on your medicine, it is you are more of a false risk than when you're completely on. And understanding that sine wave, that up and down of your day very, very well. Because when you're off, when a person is off, one side of the body is often, typically, moving faster than the other side of the body. And so you think that you're moving evenly, but you're not. And that's a time when something can happen. You want to be sure you know Know yourself well. There are, that said, there's some other things that you can do to practice. A lot of falls are towards the back. So one song that people enjoy, these boots are made for walking, that's what you're going to do, good old Nancy Sinatra. So it's a one, two, three, step back. One, two, three, plant. One, two, three, plant to the back. One, two, three, plant to the back. And just practicing that, I saw, uh, I think it was Faye Hovrak that presented a paper where they had done um, some, pos- some tests where people were doing some interesting things when they didn't practice, like crossing one leg behind or in front of the other, thus making the save from losing balance worse than if you practice with the one, two, three step back. That's a very, very solid thing you can do. 
dual tasking. Now, if you have an opportunity to go to the World Parkinson's Conference in Portland uh, next September, Portland, Oregon, uh, next September, there will be a lot of talk about the role of uh, cognition and and balance and movement. If you've ever waited for someone to cross the street while they are texting on their cell phone, what's happening with the person who's texting is they think they're moving along just fine. They think that they are getting across that street the same as they always do. They have no idea that they've cut down to a quarter time speed. There is a, the, the task of texting has taken away their ability to move quickly. And with Parkinson's, this becomes even more exacerbated. So, but you can, you can practice that. Be cognitive when something else is asked for. If you are, need to find your way, if you are running through lists in your head in the grocery store. And there's a game that you can play simply with that. So you write down on a piece of paper four different lists. The first list is how to uh, wayfinding, how to get someplace, how to get to your local library, how to get to your daughter's house. The second list is some simple math problems. Uh, start at 3 and add 2. Start at 97 and subtract 4, and then subtract 4. Simple, simple math problems. The third is uh, to... Describe how to do something. You know how to do the laundry, how to make your favorite pancakes or muffins. And the fourth is any kind of list, four kinds of lists. So the fourth list is a list of lists, everything you can think of that starts with the letter M, all the animals at the zoo, uh, kinds of cookies, kinds of cheeses. Once you have some lists made, uh, written up, Sit across from somebody or stand with somebody and toss a ball. Keep the rhythm of tossing the ball and go through these exercises. For example, everything that begins with M. I might say, uh, let's see, I might say melons. What would you say, Robert? Mud. <laughs> Money. <laughs> and you might say a third M word. And we would toss that ball back and forth until we ran out and we're laughing. In the math, it's, uh, it's okay if your partner gets the math problem wrong. There is no, there is no consequence to that. Uh, you might have to reset if the numbers get too wonky to follow, but it's okay. It's uh, absolutely okay to do simple math. And if math is, gives you the heebie-jeebies, you can do something along the lines of every other letter of the alphabet. Uh, a but not B, B but not C. I mean, A but not B, C but not D. That's a, another way to to um, to do the simple math thing. So right. tossing that ball rhythmically and playing a game where you're using your cognitive function as well as your motor skill, you'll find that you're much more steady on your feet. Well, those are fascinating ideas, I must say, Lisa. And everybody, uh, after the show concludes, uh, can go and do that right now. So there's no reason why you have to wait till tomorrow. 
What That's really great. then are the bottom line keys to increasing brain health? Oh, brains love cardio. They love cardio. They love at least 20 minutes and preferably 30 minutes most days of exercise that gets your heart pumping, your fingers and toes warm, and a little bit of moisture. Uh, when One of my students says, I get it. I have to work hard enough that my friend gets to talk also. <laughs> so you... Hard enough so that you have to catch your breath, but not so hard that you're breathing heavily. Social interaction is key. If you can find a group of people and include them in your exercise plan, that is going to increase your brain health. Going outside to play, if you live in an area that allows for that, not too hot, not too cold, not too wet, and you can get outside to play, the wind on your face, the smell of the grass, the beauty of the birds and flowers increases increases brain health. And finally, you want to reduce, ensure that you are reducing your stress, that you are being zen about your exercise. It's not a must. It's not, uh, shall not, thy, thy shall not should thyself. It's fun. When we get that cardio it increases the capillary density in our brain. It increases, increases the blood supply to our brain. And that blood supply is bringing the nutrition that um, creates BDNF, or brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which creates uh, new brain cells to form. It protects brain cells. There's, um, there are natural agonists that preserve the dopamine as it travels across the synapse when we get that cardio exercise. And, you know, it reduces inflammation, improves sleep. So that cardio, social interaction, getting outside to play, and remember, this is fun. This isn't stressful. That's key to brain health. Lisa, you're a personal fitness trainer in the marvelous city of Seattle, Washington. Tell our listeners a little bit about exactly what services you provide to persons who currently experience Parkinson's symptoms. Well, I do in-home personal training. I, I go to your house and, for the most part, loan equipment. So the equipment cycles through people. Uh, write you an individualized plan. I do a deep, deep discount for care partners. So your significant person can also have an exercise plan that's not based on Parkinson's, but based on their personal needs. Uh, I um, travel within, from South Everett to oh, and basically downtown, a little bit down, past downtown, uh, out to the east and um, uh, the west in a, a certain radius. Uh, I, the first thing I do, the first thing we do is an in-home assessment. So I come over and for free, and we just get to know one another because there has to be a relationship there. It doesn't work if there's no relationship. And if you think that the relationship is going to work, then I will write you a plan, and we move from there. Now, how do people get in touch with you to be able to make an arrangement for you to come out and get all this started? Oh, well, thank you. I'm available by phone or by email. The telephone is area code 
And um, my email, remember that, Mud Puddle Fitness. So it's Coach Lisa, C-O-A-C-H, Lisa, L-I-S-A, at mudpuddlefitness.com. And Lisa, could you spell out that website very slowly for listeners? The website is mud, M-U-D, P-U-D-D-L-E, F-I-T-N-E-S-S dot com. MudPuddleFitness.com. Now, I have no doubt that some people may want to fly from New York or Chicago out to Seattle to be able to connect with you. Uh, do you also see people in places other than your home? Their home, I mean. In other words, could they come uh, see you at your clinic offices or space? Oh, um, I, I don't currently work out of a clinic. I'm in some negotiations, so by the time somebody wants to get on an airplane, uh, maybe we will be able to work ah. out. <laughs> <That's absolutely laughs> I do have a relationship with the Parks Department and senior centers uh, uh, throughout the area. Oh, wonderful. Now, Persons who do live in, let's say, Atlanta or Paris or London who are thinking, yeah, that's what I need is somebody just like Lisa, but you're a little distant from them. How would they go about finding somebody just like you? Oh, you know what? Um, I wish I knew you were going to ask that question. There was a grad student at the University of Connecticut, and he had an interesting name. It wasn't Isley. It started with an I, and he actually put together a comprehensive directory of uh, of fitness professionals that are interested in Parkinson's. So I will take a little sleuthing on your part because I can't come quite up with his name right now. And I believe he gra- he um, finished his project last year or a year and a half ago or so. So through the through um, University of Connecticut, you may be able to find his work. Oh, great. We'll search for that, and we'll put the link or the site uh, on our blog so that people will be able to connect to that, and also on the radio show page. Uh, So after we figure out what that is, then you'll be able to, uh, those of you who are listening right now, will be able to find somebody that would be in your local area. Lisa, some people who are listening to this particular program today uh, have just been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. What would you like to say to them right now? I would like to say take heart. Uh, You have the opportunity to change the course of what might might be. And by getting that exercise early that increases the dopamine and by being vigilant about decreasing stiffness when it occurs or rigidity when it occurs, then you will probably fare pretty well. Uh, It's something that I have seen time and time and time again. That uh, uh, I'll just quote Julie Carter from OHSU. She said, we we believe, quoting, referring to OHSU, we now believe 
that you can change the course of Parkinson's, and we say this without reservation. And uh, I agree with them. I totally agree with them. And that's what Parkinson's recovery is all about. <laughs> that's yes. pretty pretty exciting that more and more people are realizing that there are things that can be done that really make a huge difference. Well, Lisa, you have made so many spectacular suggestions and tips and ideas for listeners. As you think back on everything that we talked about, what's the one thing that you would want to make sure that listeners remember about what we've discussed today? The, the one thing that I really want people to understand is that because you have lived a very rich and full life, that all of those tools are there at your disposal in order to help you overcome the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. And it is just a matter of directing that memory to new movement that is unaffected by the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. Well, it has been a huge pleasure and an honor for me, Lisa Strubing, to be able to have you on the show today. You are a true industry leader in helping individuals who currently experience Parkinson's symptoms find ways to reverse those symptoms. Lisa's from Seattle, Washington, USA, and is the founder of the amazing company called Mud Puddle Fitness. Lisa, thanks so much for being on the radio show today. Thank you, Robert. And I look forward to seeing many of you who will be traveling far distances to arrive at the Alderbrook Resort in Washington State. November 1st, we kick off on the evening at 7.30 in the evening, and we will have a spectacular program providing support for individuals looking for natural ways to reverse the symptoms that they currently experience that are associated with a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. It's the first live Jumpstart to Recovery program that we have actually put on for five long years. So join us. It will be a transformative experience for all. I'm Robert Rogers, your host and the founder of Parkinson's Recovery, and my friends, that's what's happening on the shores of the Puget Sound, where all the women are smart, all the men are handsome, and all the children are truly loved. Know that by virtue of the fact you are listening to this radio program today, that indeed you are on the road to recovery. May you have a magnificent week. Good day. Okay, I think you're done.